The following programme is sponsored by Tiptree Fruit Growers and Preservers. Hello and welcome to the latest podcast from World Radio Gardening. As you heard, this edition brought to you by Tiptree. Well, let's go to Tiptree and talk fruit. The two go together hand in hand, don't they? Ken Crowther has been meeting up with Andre, the farm manager, to talk about fruit, in particular cherries. As farm manager, you must be very pleased to see such a good crop of cherries. It is, and uh, the, you know we have to cover the cherries with uh, tunnels because uh, you know during the summer when the cherries are ready, and if we have a rain, and we have had a lot, and we had a lot this year, and we are so pleased to see these tunnels here in place. Sometimes we curse ourselves and we say, "Why did we have the tunnels? Look at the lovely mm. summer. We didn't need them." But summer like this, wet summer, we we do need them. If we did not have the tunnels, the rain would have get to the berry, uh, split the skin, and that won't be uh, usable. And that's interesting, isn't it? Because you wouldn't expect rain on a skin to burst it, would you? You we always think of, you know, fruit bursting because there's too much water at the root and going up. But this is it actually is on the skin, isn't it? It, it, it is on the skin. Is that's that's for the cherries specifically. Some of the hard varieties we've got some plum varieties here. If if it goes to the skin or the berry, it's not a problem. But with the cherries, uh, they they've got this soft, uh, delicate skin, and that needs to be protected. Sometimes even. When they over-ripen, it all depends on the level of ripeness that uh, correlates with the level of ripeness and the moisture in the air. Or, or so it's a mix, really? It's a, it's a mixture, really. It's not only the rain, but yeah, it's, it's how, how advanced they are in their ripening stage. Now, how many varieties of cherry do you actually grow here now? We've got here nine varieties on this field, and uh, why we did so many varieties? Uh, we You're just, wondering, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, <laughs> I wonder sometimes, but it's a good thing because, as you know, cherry ripens at once. Once it's ready, you have to pick it and consume it or, you know, use it. And it's a big pressure to have one variety of such a big field. You have to split it a little bit and extend the season. That way, with these nine varieties, it's coming one after the other. It's like early, mid and late season. And do they cross at all? Sometimes they do cross. It all depends on, uh, you know, on the weather early on. But most of the time, actually, they, you know, they, they come at the time when they have been uh, yeah, uh, predicted to come. So we're in the first batch. We're standing amongst their beautiful, rich, deep red cherry. Is this the first one? This is the first variety to ripen. And what is it? This variety is called Merchant. Merchant? Yeah. It's not one I sort of have heard about that you were growing a garden necessarily. Is it a commercial tree particularly? It, it is a commercial tree, yes. It's, it's not one of the new, uh, of the old traditional varieties what you find normally in a, in a garden around the country. But yeah, yeah, this is a new improved variety in terms of, uh, yeah, the presentation of the berry. Berry is nice and big. It's a deep red color and also very nice and juicy on flavor. Mm. Yeah, I mean, just eating one, it's very juicy. Uh, that, that's the, that's some varieties are a bit dry, aren't they? Yeah, that, that's that's the beauty of it. You know, you have to find variety which eats well and it's got all these characteristics so the customer likes it. Now, just talking about, you know, customers like it, does most of this fruit go to fresh fruit? Because Wilkins isn't really known as much for fresh fruit as possibly it should do because you're growing a huge amount of fresh fruit, aren't you? We, we're trying. We're trying. Uh, it used to be 
everything used to go for jump but uh, nowadays we've got the f capacity we've got the fields we've got the knowledge and everything and we believe uh, we have to there's a there's a potential opportunity to expand uh, our offering of fruit and the next stage is the I use it for fresh or offer it for fresh. Now, when it is fresh, can people actually see that it's come from you guys or not? Yes, they do. Uh, they, it's got Wilkin on it. It's got Wilkin on uh, it, tip tree it's a on tip the tree. planet. Yes. So it's worth looking out for, isn't it? It is. So does all of the fruit go to fresh or does some go to cherry jam? Uh, some of it goes to cherry jam, yes. Uh, not, not all of it goes for fresh. Uh, we first, our customer, main customer is our factory factory so once uh, you know the requirement is fulfilled for the f factory it, all the rest goes for fresh, fresh fruit fresh fruit and I should think they're well I can see they're busy picking on the other lines over here <laughs> yeah of putting punnets full um, and what's the next variety that we go to next variety we go to it should be uh, summer sun Oh, I've, now I've heard of Summer Sun because you can buy that as a, as a domestic in your garden one, Summer yeah. Sun. Yeah, so, so some of that's them... That's a lighter coloured cherry, it, isn't it? It is a bit lighter coloured cherry, but yeah, that, that's you have to follow the succession. You have to follow the season. Mm. Otherwise, uh, you won't be able to get that uh, uh, that offering for a longer period uh, during the summer. Now, I must just say that the people that struggle in their gardens always want cherry trees netted. Do you get birds in here at all? Because I notice there's a few that look as if they've been pecked on. But you net, you try really hard to keep them out, we, don't you? We've got covers, we've got tunnels, uh, we've got nets on the sides, but the birds are always around, you know. They, you know also, we're looking after the environment, we're encouraging birds to... Uh, to enjoy to the enjoy surroundings of the surroundings farm. Surroundings of yeah. the farm, but yeah, there's always, it's inevitable, we cannot stop them. There's never 100%... Do you know which birds are the worst culprit? The I, worst I mean, I spotted birds, the magpie down the, the bottom. The magpie and the blackbirds, those are the worst. They're the worst. They, yeah, they, those are the worst. It's, it's fascinating, yeah. isn't it? And the other thing I must just pick up on, as I walk down through the tunnels, I noticed, and not on many trees, I mean, this, this batch here of tree is really clean, you know, looks lovely. Yeah. But you've got a bit of curling. Now, we often get asked um, about curling. It's one of the things people ask, they've got curling. Is that aphid in the inside? Yeah, that, that is aphid. It's a black aphid, uh, which does the damage. And it's very difficult. You have to catch it right at the beginning and uh, yeah uh, act on it if, if you a bit late the curling aphid just uh, does the damage and the leaf curls around and it's it doesn't very hurt difficult. the fruit or anything it does doesn't it? It, it doesn't hurt the fruit it doesn't you know affect the in any really, way the it? tree it just looks bad when you walk around which people don't like in the gardens do no, they but they, they, here it's not so important is it <laughs> it's not so important you know as soon as it, the not whole tree affected you know you've got branch or something a little bit at the end where uh, they normally aim at the young shoots yeah then uh, it will be fine you can always pick it off can't you you can you can pick it off you can cut it off you you prune your tree anyway so a little bit of aphid it's, it's not going to be harmful a lovely crop of cherries um do you mind if i go and just help myself to a few more absolutely you're very welcome you just knew that he wouldn't stop at one cherry. Nobody could stop at just one cherry. Andre, the farm manager at Tiptree, speaking with Ken Crowther. Ken's been discussing the weather, haven't we all? We find out more from this conversation with Mick Lavelle from the World Radio Gardening Studio in this podcast brought to you by Tiptree. Sponsored by Tiptree Fruit Growers and Preservers. Gardeners always say, don't they? They always talk about the weather. 
Indeed. But the weather has been strange. Am I allowed to say that, do you think? Well, I think that it, on the, the long-term averages, we'll probably say it all balances out. But weather, as I always tell my students, it's, um, it's what you get. The climate is one thing, but weather is uh, very variable. And, of course, this year we're getting the thunderstorms. We might normally associate with sort of July time, you know, with warmer months. Um, and they've, they've appeared now, and we've got this pattern of, um, of reasonably warm weather, sunny weather, and then... Very, very humid um, and very, very uh, heavy rain, torrential rain indeed. And we've had a cold snap as well at the uh, beginning of the month, which really has yeah, been unusual. It is, because people were putting their bedding plants out in May, yes. and then the cold just stopped them dead, didn't it? Colder on uh, the first Monday of June, I think, than Christmas Day, I was told. I was basking, Balmy, I was basking in the West Coast at the time in the oh, sunshine. <laughs> all right for you, wasn't it? Yeah, but I mean, seriously, I mean, the, weather's, the weather we, was, we were getting in the West Coast had been about 25 degrees and sunny. It was really the sort of thing we would expect in early June here. Flaming June, as we like to call it. And I think the problem is that, of course, a lot of um, uh, fruit trees, top fruits and soft fruit, which set their fruit in May... Very successfully, well, April and May. Even, it was because, good, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, plenty of blossom, plenty of uh, insects around, bees around. So that's all gone well. Now, June, we'd normally expect quite a lot of fruit growth in the warmer weather. And you get this thing, particularly in things like apples, June drop, where lots and lots of little marble-sized apples drop off because the tree literally decides, it's, I don't need It's just need nature, this. really, isn't it? It's Absolutely. sorting itself out. But if we're all crowded in together and we're getting this cycle of um, warm weather and uh, uh, wet weather, uh, the chances are that fungal growths of all different descriptions will be favoured by this. And there's a possibility when you get these crowded bunches that you might get excessive damage to the fruit. So is uh, it worth thinning those, do you think? If you've got an apple tree, which, say, for instance, which you can get to, I mean, if you're having to get up on a pair of uh, tall, you know, 10-foot, 12-foot steps to do Leave so, it alone. probably not worth it, just going to maybe accept it could be a bad year. But if you've got things like cordon, step-overs, uh, fan train, things against the wall, not a bad idea to go and um, just sort of uh, pick at them. The looser ones will come off anyway but to make sure that you, you, you haven't got this problem. And possibly a protectant fungicide might not be a bad idea. I mean, there are plenty of them around on the market. And use. soft fruit, even a bigger problem, isn't it? Strawberries well, yes. and raspberries, they struggle through I this I think particularly weather, strawberries, because mm. it's always wet weather. I mean, if you, if you do still put straw down underneath them, which many people do because they like the sort of uh, the look of it, uh, the straw gets wet and it, that rots down quite quickly. It gets full of slugs. Um, you'll often find that the fruit looks perfect on the top and you lift it up and the slugs hollowed out a little um, a bit at the bottom of it. I mean, commercial growers don't have this problem, of course, because they grow them differently. They, they, they grow they, them they up on heights now, don't they? On tabletops. tabletops. So they, so they don't touch the ground. But a lot of people grow a strawberry bed. There's something lovely about it, and that's sort of a, a leaning down, picking a bit of red strawberry. Uh, if you are using things like straw, you need to maybe think about... Um, changing that uh, during the season to make sure it doesn't become uh, a sort of a soggy, a soggy mess, slimy mess. Which yes. it could easily do with the amount of rain that we've It we can had. indeed, yes, yes. Yeah. So just watch out for all these mildews and rots. And if you've got it on soft fruit, it's worth picking the fruits off, isn't it, in, uh, oh, yes. in strawberries? Now, with things like, um, with the top fruits, you can probably still spray with a protectant from mm. just like this time of the year because the interval between spraying and actually eating them is quite a long one. You're not looking until an autumn collection. With the soft fruits... Not you, as easy, you, is it? No, you do, you, you, there's, there's a delay between which you can spray and you can eat safely and I wouldn't recommend it so um, pick off pick off it's it's a bit fiddly but then it depends if I mean growing your own fruit is always going to be one of those things where it's um there's a little bit of devotion required to this you know so you get up there early in the day pick off any fruit which looks affected thin out bunches and things like that and enjoy the rest of them oh yes yeah well that's there will be some sunny days to come you heard the man there will be some sunny days this year when? That's all we want to know. 
when. Uh, remember a little earlier, Ken Crowther was sampling the cherries at Tiptree. What's the betting he samples the next product that we're going to hear about? He's met up with Liz, the marketing manager at Tiptree. Sponsored by Wilkin & Sons, established in 1885. Up at Tip Tree, I'm lucky enough to be with Liz, marketing manager, who's holding a bottle of flavoured gin. That's are they right. flavoured gins? They are, yes. They're they're actually fruit gin liqueurs. So they're using the fruit grown on our farm here in Tip Tree, sent just up the road to Heyman's Gin Distillery, based in Whitham. They've been making gin since 1863, and the fruit rests within the gin. So out comes a lovely fruit gin liqueur. Now, we have... I think, I don't know how long ago it was, the, you launched the first one, which was the, the Little Scarlet one. Yes, that's right. Back in November last year, we launched Little Scarlet, which is, of course, our signature strawberry, a particular variety of strawberry, very small, hard-to-grow strawberry. Uh, since then, we've launched our English raspberry flavour, and more recently, just hot off the press, our English damson flavour. My favourite sort of fruit, so perhaps um, we'll have a try of that. But you've right. also, to promote gins you've actually got a new young lady on the on the scene to promote your gins. That's right, yes. We have Marion, Marion um, who is French, who is our gin ambassador. Gin ambassador. That's a good one, isn't it? So let's hear from Marion then. Uh, so it's lovely to meet you. Yeah. Now, a gin ambassador, does that mean you've got to try lots of the gins or is it you've got to promote lots of the gins? <laughs> well, kind of both, actually. Yeah, we do try it several times, but most of the time it's just to present it to the people because um, here uh, Wilkin and Son is very famous for its jam, marmalade and all of those spreads and chutneys. But people are very surprised when they hear that we're doing drinks now. So, yeah, it's most of the time organize, organizing tastings, um, presenting it to the public, doing shows, um, presenting it to pubs, restaurants to, well, try to have them on their menu and stuff like this. Yeah, it's, uh, and you actually um, are studying as well towards, um, you know, drink and food, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm uh, doing a master in uh, management of gastronomy and enology and spirits in France. And you're so. from a very popular area. Yeah, you? from Bordeaux. Yeah, exactly. In Bordeaux. So you have a, a drink background. Yeah, exactly. We're more in the wine usually. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, how do people react to gin from Essex? We've just heard 18 <coughs> odd, you know, 1800-ish, this gin has been manufactured in Essex, but obviously not the Wilkins one. This is new to Wilkins. Yeah, well, actually, they, uh, well, gin is very popular in um, in the UK at the moment. And as a lot of people know about Wilkins and Son, it's very, well, they think it's very uh, unusual to have the steep tree fruit in a very popular drink. So, yeah, usually they, are they do really like um, the association of the two. And they get very curious about trying it. So it's very it's, interesting. It's, now, have you found that, you know, it, you've, you've said you've done some tastings. I mean, what's people's reaction? You know, because, you know, gin and tonic is what an Englishman always thinks of drinking. But yeah. this is a flavoured gin. It's something that possibly takes us back a little bit to slow gin, which is something that people have been doing by picking slows from the countryside and making their own. Yeah. How do they react to these flavours where we've got raspberry, uh, little scarlet and the damson now? Well, actually, it's it's a, it's quite sweet. So even people who don't like uh, gin and the bitterness of the of the dry gin um, like it because you can drink it very easily. 
when would you you know you, you're studying studying food and drink when would you drink it would you when would you choose to drink it do you think when would you say to somebody like myself okay this is when i would like to drink it yeah well actually there are different ways to drink it so you can have different occasions to, oh tell us more tell us more yeah so you can drink it uh, just on the rocks with uh, ice mm -hmm. otherwise you can drink it as a spritzer with lemonade or tonic water and it's really nice as a long drink in summertime it's very f refreshing so yeah just with friends before a meal or something it's really nice on that way or otherwise when you well when you have something to celebrate, or not even something to celebrate, you, you can drink it as a royal with champagne or prosecco. Oh, of course. With champagne. Well. Yes. Yeah. So, Very nice. Yeah. Too. So you have different occasions, different well, different ways to drink it for different occasions. So basically, I'd, you can eat, drink no, it when you want. When you want. I'd had another one to that actually myself. I think I I would like quite like to drink it actually after a meal instead yeah. of a port because yeah. again. It's sweet, it's pleasant. Exactly. You could actually eat it with cheese. You yeah. could drink it with cheese, couldn't mm. you? Yeah, yeah, of course. Camembert or you something You can like drink that. it as you want. We also have uh, customers who pour, who pour some um, some gin over ice cream and everything. So really? Actually, you can drink it the way you want or eat it. So you have an interesting few months, haven't you, as gin yeah, ambassador? Yeah, I learned a lot. Yeah, I arrived in April, so just when the when the gin was launched so we had a lot to do to present it and everything so it was very interesting i had a very good time <laughs> ken crowther talking flavored gins from tiptree and that brings to an end this podcast from world radio gardening come back to our website regularly for the latest update and thank you for listening this edition brought to you by tiptree Sponsored by Wilkin & Sons, established in 1885.